Hello and welcome to a new episode of Music Works. In this last episode of season six, we are pleased to welcome back Vic Bain, president of the Independent Society of Musicians and founder of the F-List, to discuss the ISM's major new report, Dignity at Work 2, Discrimination in the Music Sector. Vic previously joined us in episode eight of our current season to discuss misogyny and discrimination within the music industry. Today, we will hear about how the recent ISM report exposes the devastating scale of discrimination, including sexual harassment and racism in all parts of the music sector, including education, in the hope that the report will serve as a vehicle for change in the industry. Before we head over to the Music Works studio where Vic is waiting, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union, it's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK and it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry. As well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post-Brexit, the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance, and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at the MU.org. Hi Vic, thank you so much for coming back and joining us again. Well, thanks so much for, for asking me to come back so soon. <laughs> Not at all, not at all. Well, you mentioned the report on the last episode, and I thought, right, oh, we've got to, uh, we've got to talk about that when it comes out. I've just been reading it this morning. It makes for some quite bleak reading, to be honest, doesn't it? Yes, it was. Um, it was a pretty, pretty challenging subject to to tackle. But actually, actually, a lot of a lot of my work over the summer has been focused on the dark underbelly of the of the music industry which is a you know it's a real shame um it, but it's really really important that we that we that we do this work and we communicate about it so important so as much as so we're going to talk about some hard topics on this podcast um towards the end we are going to also talk about the what this uh, research and information and statistics is going to be used for and the, the ways forward but um I just think the uh, uh, the power of having these statistics to back up the things that we all know in one way or another are going on in the industry is is so valuable. So, you know, if I found reading the report difficult, I can only imagine how difficult you found writing it. Uh, yes, I it, I mean it's quite, it's very aligned with with my PhD work as as well. Um, harassment and discrimination has been a key a key factor in in that. So uh, so that's yeah that's why. I agreed to work with Dr. Catherine Williams on on putting this together. Mm. So, um, first of all, can you um, explain the context of the report? This is uh, uh, Dignity at Work 2. Yes, so the first report that the ISM produced, Dignity at Work 1, was... um, was was I think it was published in 2018, but it sort of it straddled the end of 2017 into 2018, and it came in the work in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, and Hollywood and the entertainment sector were, you know, started the Me Too movement, and it became obvious that there was a real problem within within music as well. The ISM legal team 
sort of real increase in uh, the number of, of people contacting them to ask for advice. And I think also lots of people realized that experiences that they had normalized or was normalized by the, the uh, sector was in fact discrimination and harassment. Sometimes people aren't sure, you know, because they're told to accept it or laugh it off or that's just, that's just the way things are. So the ISM produced the first report um, back in 2018 and we were very interested to know Earlier this year, the you know the board we were talking about doing doing an update to find out. Well, have things changed? Have things gotten better? And uh, unfortunately, the um, the findings reveal revealed that things had gotten worse. Yeah. So where shall we where shall we start with the uh, the the headline statistics then? <laughs> The bad, the bad news. The bad news. Well, yeah, because so the key findings were that um, in the first report, the respondents, 47% of those respondents had um, reported having experienced some form of discrimination, bullying or harassment. Um, and in this uh, survey, which we had, I think it was live May, May, June time, we had 660 responses, so that's a huge number of, uh, of people, and 66% had re reported experiencing some form of harassment or discrimination, so that's quite an increase. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, I know in surveys of this type, it, um, you know, the maybe the people who are responding are those who, um, you know, have they see a survey and discrimination think yes i've i've experienced this i'm, I'm going to respond to this survey uh, but i still think it's such a huge leap that um you know we could we can we can we can take that as a as a sign that things are not improving and in fact 70 percent of the respondents reported that they had experienced that behavior within the past five years yeah um when you say that the the forty seven to sixty six percent increase in reporting is that reporting on the report or reporting to somebody within the industry? Reporting into no reporting uh, on the survey questions. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that they had experienced dis discrimination and, and 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 harassment. Yeah, that's just. I mean, there's a lot in that, isn't there? I'm curious as to what you think the impact of um, what you just mentioned that people are seeing harassment in a different light now whether do you think that that was so had a part to play in the increase of that statistic or do you think that realization was made you know in the in the build-up to the first survey well no I think yeah I think there is a growing awareness that certain behaviors are not acceptable um you know we have a we have a growing awareness of what microaggressions are for for, for example you know we've got a growing awareness that that banter is is um, you know not always acceptable you, you know so I think as a society we we are we are our awareness is changing is for the better but um, but that means that in, you know people people can then can then look back at their at their experiences and say oh you know the you know the way that person spoke to me. Um, 
you know, they could, they were calling me pet names and it made me feel uncomfortable. Well, yes, that's, that's a form of harassment. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think people's understanding is, um, is, in, is increasing. So that could be playing a part in, in the increase. But the fact that 70% of these experiences had happened within the past five years sort of also indicates that these behaviours are, are still all around us in the music industry and it's a real it's a real problem because it it can derail somebody's career it can force people to leave the industry if they've had a particular bad experience and certainly you know my phd i'm taught you know i talk to talk to people who who that's that's happened to them they just don't feel safe anymore so they stop being a musician and that's a shocking tragedy actually because we are we, we are losing talent Mm, absolutely so let's talk about um the the ways in which this can affect individuals and and deeper findings of the report in terms of the statistics that we've mentioned we're going to talk about intersectionality in this context yes and in, intersectionality for the um your audience who might not uh, understand that term was coined by a, a feminist legal scholar actually actually a number of years ago kimberly Crenshaw and she was talking about multiple oppressions so you might have someone who is female and experiencing oppression but then you might have someone who is also black and female and experiencing the intersection of those oppressions so a really interesting thing that we found in in the data was that the more protected characteristics somebody has and again by that uh, term protected characteristics. I mean, either um, they're disabled, or they're uh, black, Asian, or other ethnic minority. Um, you know, or all of these other different different sorts of characteristics. The more likely they were to have experienced discrimination and harassment. So we so we saw that very clearly in in you know captured in in the data which was grim and sad yeah. to see, you know, and frustrating to see that coming out, coming out of the an analysis. So, um, you know, where, whereas 66% of the overall respondents had, had experienced discrimination in, you know, in fact, if they were female and disabled, it went up to 80%. And if they were, black, Asian or other ethnic minority, it went up to 94%. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just such a grim uh, reflection of our industry. It is, isn't it? Absolutely unacceptable. The other element to this that is, is clearly key is self-employment and the very, very high rates of self-employment in the industry. What were the findings there? Yeah, so I mean, we all we all know in music that most musicians are, are self-employed, and um, I've through through my PhD work, I've I've done lots of analysis on the Office of National Statistics data for for musicians, and eighty three percent of of, of uh, professional musicians are self-employed, compared to sixteen percent in in the rest of um, our workforce. So it is quite a unique 
sector in in that way and the problem is is that many many self-employed people or musicians you, they they could maybe legally be classified as a worker and have protection under the equality act 2010 or or it's all it's a bit hazy it's a mm. bit you know it's a bit of a gray area as to as to whether they are protected or not and there's you know often the if you're just going in for one performance it, it you know and an incident happens well you know who are you going to report to who's going to you know how can how can you assert your 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 rights so there's a, you know so there's a lot of misunderstanding but also the fact that the equality act is a bit vague when it comes to self-employed musicians it doesn't really capture all of those all of those circumstances so you, you know so there's a real lack of reporting which i don't think is uh, is helped by by high levels of um of, of, of freelancing so you know so we're de so we're definitely calling for for the for the equalities act to to you know to be more more explicit about about this um you know there's lots there's lots of things that government can do to um to better protect free freelance sec sectors such such as as music but there's also a lack of a lack of reporting and it was over it was over three quarters of the respondents said that they had not officially reported their experiences mm. and you know some of some of that is over the uncertainty about employment status but some of it is also because people don't want to have a reputation as a troublemaker mm. or you know you know maybe um you know they're scared of victimization victimization is a real a real real thing um yeah so there's all sorts of negative consequences for the for the victim yeah. instead of the perpetrator which is you know i mean and that's definitely not unique to music but i think in music there are there are quite extreme power imbalances especially if you're a freelancer so um or if you're you know if, if you're dealing with the the head of a huge record label or publishing company or opera company or a very famous and beloved musician if you have a ne negative experience with somebody like that um it it becomes very very tricky so most most people don't say anything yeah and the more power someone has, the more ability they have to to kind of flip the story. Um, I've been uh, talking to to someone about this recently as well. The uh, the sort of ways in which uh, the, the industry is so reputational, which all industries are, but you rely on so many. Pro often, if you're very very um, kind of freelance and work with lots and lots of organisations, you rely so heavily on re your reputation as understood by such a wide range of people it's almost it's so it's so easy to kind of tip the balance with that if somebody spreads rumors or you know engages in any kind of toxic behavior towards you that's that's right you know and if if an organization has got a uh, pr and communications department working on their behalf and mm -hmm. you haven't 
then it's a, you know, it's a really, it's a very, very tough situation. So, you know, so it's these, it's these sorts of extreme power imbalances that make things particularly tricky in music. Absolutely. So as we said at the beginning, it's, uh, it is quite, um, quite a grim report. It makes for difficult reading, lots of very hard hitting statistics. What is the outcome of this research? What's being done with it? Well, yes, that's that's right. It was pretty, you know, it was pretty tough reading, and and some of the quotes that we highlight yes. as well are, are, are heartbreaking because you can hear, you can hear the stories and people's voices. Um, you can hear the resignation, I think, as well, which is just yeah. really devastating to read. What what I felt when I read the quotes was a combination of that and also that. I'd heard these things said a hundred times as well, that they weren't new, you know, they weren't news, which is just really, really sad, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, and I think you can, you know, you can feel a bit, a bit sad, a bit angry, a bit powerless. But the great thing about being part of a membership organisation like the ISM is that we, you know, we don't just want to look at these results and go, oh, okay. We want to do something about it, and uh, you know, make real cultural change, and we and we know how we can start on that path. So, in the report, we have six recommendations for government strengthening the Equality Act, um, reintroducing certain elements of the Equality Act that the that this particular government has removed. Uh, putting, you know, putting putting things back in, um, proper, properly funding the Equality and Human Rights Commission, uh, you know, a variety of other things, uh, enacting recommendations that the Women and Equalities Committee has already recommended in in other inquiries, such as um, you know more more protection, more mandatory protections for workers. So there's loads of things that government can do. And, you know, and when when companies have a legal obligation to do something, they do it. If you, if you, you know, if you if you ask them to do things voluntary, some of them might, but a lot of them might not. But if they legally have to, they will they will do it. And then there's also recommendations for the music sector it's, itself. And again, there's lots there's lots that can be done through funding bodies such as the Arts Council, you know, ensuring that every um, funded organisation has proper training on, mm. on these issues as well, so that musicians understand their, their rights, because quite often they don't, and that employers understand their responsibilities, again, because quite often they don't. And then you know, all membership organisations can really take a lead, a lead on this, um, you know, by ensuring that they have proper public codes of conduct, for example, on 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 their websites. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can be doing and encouraging people to get on board with. And also, we've got a, a campaign as well, so the Dignity to Work campaign which i think you're gonna show your um your audience yes the dignity to work hashtag there it is great <laughs> exactly put it in the show to... notes as well yeah <laughs> can, search, can search for that there's a link 
sign up to the to the campaign and yeah. they can you know be uh, be updated on our activities and, and what we're doing yeah thank you so there's there's a lot going on and um i think it's very encouraging to see organizations like the ism taking this so seriously and leading from the top in terms of gathering the data that supports um the things that we all know that doesn't support the things that we know go on but supports the the knowledge that we have that um of what goes on in the industry i wonder if do you have an example of what a good like situation would be of reporting like because i think there's so much you can really picture can't you a bad reporting experience where you go to someone and say this has happened and then suddenly you're being criticized or professionally slandered or also you know or just not rehired all sorts of things are there any case studies or any examples that you can give of how this could be different well all organizations need to have written down processes so you know i i i recommend that organizations have a have a suite of what i call people policies and that's everything from a proper equality, diversity and inclusion policy to having a grievance and complaints procedure, anti-bullying, code of conduct, you know, all, all of these sort of people, people policies that ensure that everyone who works for them and you know under, understands what the process is if something negative happens but also that the 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 managers and the employers have a structure on how to on how to deal with that as well so it will normally you know outline um that an investigation will will happen how how quickly that will be responded to so it doesn't go on for years and gets you know gets 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 buried that there will be some sort of um, objective appeal process, you know, all of these um, good things should be outlined in in a proper a proper grievance policy. People can go on the ACAS website, which is a government um, um, department, and you can find all of these templates that they can they can put it, put in place. But I I would also like to see these. Um, these sorts of people policies extended to freelancers as well because you know normally they're just for the for the people who are employed on the payroll mm. but because of the way music organizations work that i th i think it, it's best practice for music companies to say when freelancers can work for us then they can they can use these these processes as well that are, yeah. th that's best practice yeah Thank you. Great. Is there anything else that you would like to share about this report or anything else? Well, I'm sure in another four or five years we'll do we'll do another one. And I really I really hope that that this serves as a as a wake-up call to the industry that you know whatever we've been doing over the past five years, it isn't enough. And we you know, and we need to get really serious about this before you know we continue to lose we have this this talent drain of people leaving the industry and i have to say as well it, it is mostly women that this behavior happens to because because of these these power power dynamics uh, we're, we're talking about 
so you know which is sort of partly feeds into the into the bad uh representation statistics we see from from mm. women in music so i you know i really i really hope that people start to take this seriously now and and, and understand that we all have a responsibility to to be better behaved and support each other so yeah let's 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 fix it we can fix it we can <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for coming and talking about this vic it's been a real pleasure thank you